Y'all feel like dancing? It's really hard right now for us to feel where you're coming from because we can't see you, we can hear you. If you make a lot of noise, you make us party much harder. I don't know how the security is here. I don't want to cause a problem. But if you feel like dancing wherever you are, get on up and get down. What's up? You have stumbled upon a very special edition of Lightning Licks Radio. I am Dion, a member of Lightning Licks Vinyl Preservation Society, and this is episode 2.5. Now what we're doing here is essentially sweeping up the cutting room floor and presenting another mini episode for your enjoyment. In episode 2, Jay, my co-host and I discussed the sophomore slump, and specifically bands that released follow-up records that were surprisingly as good or even better than their debut. So without any further introduction, here is episode 2.5, The Leftovers. Thank you for coming back for a second helping. Before we, you know, before we actually get into that first record, I also just kind of want to talk about, just real quick, about with the sophomore slump. I mean, there are records that are considered lesser, inferior records than the first. There are a lot of bands that put out records that are just a continuation of the first. They're not embarrassing in any stretch of the imagination. It's just a continuation of what they were doing. And then sometimes, like you said, there are bands and or artists who sometimes their second record actually kind of not only beats the sophomore slump, but they is, a, is, a, is creative on like a totally different level. Right. Okay, I'm going to go back to the new wave, back to the post-punk, uh, second edition by Public Image Limited. Now, I'm familiar, obviously, with Public Image Limited. Like when Rise came out and shit, it was like, you know, oh, Johnny Rotten's other band, you know? Yeah. Can you talk about how the original vinyl came out? I mean, they, they had put out, obviously, Johnny Rotten leaves the Sex Pistols. Um, he creates a whole new band. He's got Public Image Limited, uh, Keith Levine, Jot Wobble. They had numerous drummers. They put out their first record called First Issue. It feels a little scattered. It's, it's not really focused. It's it, The production's kind of weird and off, but there's some really good shit on it. Right. And then they put out their second record, which was called Second Edition. If you have it in the United States, it was called Second Edition. Overseas, they put it out, it was called Metal Box. Right. And they actually put out, it was, it consisted of three 12 inches at 45 speed, and it was packed into like a film canister. Right. So that was cool. I have never personally in all my years of like going to record stores and trying to find, like I have never ever, still to this day, I've never seen an actual copy of that. Right. If you go on some internet forums, they'll be like, oh, we used to use that as an ashtray and <laughs> this and that, you know? Yeah. So and it wasn't probably the best medium for like getting that music out. There was gimm- on purpose, it, was, it was gimmicky. And if you read, you talk about they initially wanted to put the record out. When they actually put the record out, they wanted to put it out with sandpaper as the cover because they wanted it to ruin your other records, which Jeez. I think is hilarious. <laughs> so in America, they actually ended up just putting it out as a album and they called it second edition the first one's called first issue and the second record which came out in 79 is called second edition okay cool and uh when i was able to listen to this i was really blown away because it's not at all what i expected 
It's not the public image limited that I knew. Right. It's something completely different. It's like these, this, this weird... I, I, I talked to you about one song in particular. It was pop. I, you were talking about pop tones. Pop tones is like this never-ending swirl of like grinding and but at the same time soft guitars that you just don't ever want to end and I could not believe that I mean it's still Johnny being Johnny right like I could I could tell that uh, you know he was getting into his cadence and I could tell his voice but I mean the music behind him was something completely different and I just fell in love with it yeah and that thing I love about this record too is there's so much space in the record and, and you got Wabo Jai Wabo who was doing this kind of like dub bass but they're very influenced by like German kraut rock. Mm -hmm. So you hear a lot of like, like, can, can. like can and stuff yeah. in there too. And you can see, again, nothing's created in a vacuum, but the way that they combine those elements, they kind of created their own thing. And going back to pop tones, this is where I'm just going to get geeky. If you ever want to see one of the greatest, it's one of the greatest moments on television. Johnny Lydon is involved with two of the greatest moments on television ever. Right. When this record came out, he went on the Tomorrow Show with Keith Levine uh -huh. on Tom Snyder's show. Right. Google, go on YouTube and grab that because it's it's one of the best interviews, <laughs> non-interviews, anti-interviews I've ever seen. But speaking of pop tones, mm -hmm. he actually went on American Bandstand uh -huh. and he did pop tones. No on American way. Bandstand. Oh my and god. And it's great. It's the very first time. Like he basically at one point he just throws away the microphone. He doesn't try to lip sync it and he's like <laughs> grabbing girls from the audience and he's bringing them up on the stage to dance and it's the most undanceable song ever and he's just this like, mischievous little imp running around the studio <laughs> just fucking things up so those are like two like those are both great things to look up on YouTube I'm definitely gonna do that oh they're they're amazing all his interviews are, are pretty much great even now they are in uh when you you know scroll through, if you ever see that in your feed, it's going to be a good interview. You know it's going to be great. Yeah, for sure. If you're going to take a choice cut from that record that you have in your hands right now and add it to our mix at the end of this episode, what would it be? I'm just going to go with my personal favorite from that record. And and, and there's actually like there's like three there's actually three um, instrumentals on here, and there's one on here called Socialist that uh -huh. I love, but I don't want to put an instrumental on there. So right. I'm going to pick one with vocals. My favorite song on there is a song called No Birds. No Birds It Will Be. Earmarked for the mix. Let's move right along. You got another record off of your stack right there. What do you got? Okay. The second one, it's another record that also, they, a band that kind of changed music twice. The one I'm going to choose is from 1987. It's Dark Lands by Jesus and the Mary Chains. It's a great record. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, and again, the, the reason I chose it is because the first album came out. It was called Psycho Candy. Right. And, and it's a classic. It's a classic. I, I remember reading about it. I had I'd read a lot of stuff about them before the record came out. And I remember buying Psycho Candy. And I remember getting it home and putting it on the turntable. And if you've heard Psycho Candy, it's, all, it's like this garage 60s girl group stuff. But it's just swathed and just drenched in feedback. And the first time I put the needle down on it, I thought it was defective. Right. I thought I had a defective record. I'm like, what <laughs> is this? Like, it's actually, it's really funny. Like, if, if you turn all the sound down and you just put the needle on the record, mm -hmm. the record itself is fucking loud. Right. Because of all the distortion. And it took me a little bit to realize what they were doing, but they were they were taking these really great, like kind of 60s-based songs, and they were just covering them in reverb and distortion. And it's amazing. But the thing is, is when you put out your second record, what do you do? Yeah, that stick is probably, are you gonna do that all over again? Exactly, and so the first record basically 
kind of, again, no one had really done that up to that point, to the point, I mean, to, they used distortion and stuff into in degrees that I had never heard any band. And there may be other ones, again, nothing's created in a vacuum. Correct. But to me, I didn't, I hadn't heard anything like that. And for me, again, to go back, it, they did not invent shoegaze, but nope. they're a building block of shoegaze. Absolutely. And dream pop, almost to a sense. So they put and, the, and noise pop as well. Exactly. You can trace like absolutely. Yeah. And so you, you you're listening to like that record, and like what do you what do you do after that? But they did the smart thing. They said, you know what? We're great songwriters. We're going to put up the same songs that we always do. We're still going to write these songs. We're just going to put them out so everybody can hear them this time. And then you could actually hear what great songwriters they were. And you could tell they were doing this 60s pop thing. It was kind of garagey. It was kind of psych. You can tell that they were definitely influenced by the 60s girl groups. But you could actually hear the melodies. You could hear the vocals. You could hear the lyrics. And again, just stripping away all of that stuff from Psycho Candy, just created this whole new world for Jesus and Mary Jane. Yeah, I appreciated how like in in your face the drumming was. Yeah. And then it was sort of just surrounded by these really effects laden guitars, but not to the point where it was feedback as much it was atmospheric, like enveloped in sound. Like it was really cool. Yeah, and you could really hear that they were really good songwriters, and and, the, and then their lyrics are always kind of I, I don't want to say gothy, but they 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 do tend to go onto the dark side, their dark side of their lyrics. Well, hence the the title of the record, the, I'm the, sure. Yeah, Darklands. So, and that's why and that's why I picked that second record because it's it's a favorite. So I still again remember hearing it. Again, I, I remember buying that the day that it came out. And playing that too, and being so pleasantly surprised because you do, you're like, what are you, where are they gonna go from there? Right. And they're like, yeah, we're just gonna do this really great garage pop record. And it's amazing, it's an amazing record. If you had to pick a choice cut that we're gonna earmark for the mix later in this episode, what would you choose? I'm not gonna go with one of the obvious ones because everybody will go happy when it rains, that's when everybody knows. But my personal favorite song off of um, Dark Lands is called Down on Me. Okay, which is a it's a it's a great. Song. Yeah, and that's that's one I didn't expect you to say. That's great. You're taking a, a it, dusty groove, man. <laughs> it is. That's it's cool. kind of like the epitome too of like of a of Jesus and Mary Chain song. It's like everything that's great about that band. I think. Yeah, I agree. Okay, the third record that I chose for my champion of the sophomore slump is 1983's New Order, Power Corruption and Lies. New Order. Very familiar with New Order. Another album that I didn't hear all the way through, but a good one to dive deep into. I do know that when I started DJing for like high school reunions and stuff, like everybody always said, you got any New Order? And I was like, yes, I do. It's funny because they're one of those bands that probably didn't, they're like the one of those bands like Depeche Mode that weren't really huge, I don't think, in the Midwest, but like now that you hear them on the radio all the time, again, time is caught up with that, with those bands, I think, with a lot of those bands. Definitely. Yeah, so, um, and the reason I picked it, again, not to keep going back to the premise, but again, it's another band that, in my mind, changed music twice. Now, their roots are pretty well defined. I mean, they were Joy Division members, right? Like, sure, and, and that's legendary, and we don't need to go into that, because everybody knows the Joy Division story, and if they don't, you can Google it, Wikipedia, when you get home. They weren't the first post-punk band per se, but the thing was with Martin Hannett, who produced the Joy Division stuff, he created such a distinct sound for that band right. that he was as much a part of the Joy Division sound as the band A itself. member of the group, basically. Sure, I mean, his sound, he's like George Martin to the Beatles. I mean, he there are producers that bring a lot to the table, and Hannett was one of them. That sparse, that, that drum sound, that space that you hear when you listen to those Joy Division records, Right. A lot of that's Martin Hand, and well, obviously with with Ian's lyrics, mm-hmm. it, you know, and then obviously Peter Hook has got that really distinctive bass sound too. A lot of those elements are now like used 
um, if you're trying to produce something that sounds like it's from that era, that's what you go to now. Absolutely. It is a, definitely a blueprint if you're saying, yeah, I want that Martin Hanna drum sound or I want that, that Joy Division sound. And then again, we all know what happened in Joy Division. Ian Curtis hung himself before, they, before their American tour, their first U.S. tour. So what they did was they stayed together and they created a new band called New Order. They put out their first record, which is called Movement, which was actually produced also by Martin Hannett. They hadn't, it was so funny because, not funny, but they hadn't actually picked a singer yet. So all of the guys actually sing songs on that record. And it actually just kind of sounds like a continuation of the Joy Division sound right. without Ian Curtis's like really distinctive vocals. So it's definitely uh, sounds like Joy Division, but it, it, it's just a continuation of that sound. Did Ian Curtis write some of the songs? I don't believe so. No, no, okay. no I don't think so. It doesn't say on the jacket, but it does. It just, well, with, it's really with, simple. With all the New Order stuff, uh, they didn't put any information. Yeah, of course. Jacket. Yeah, you can't really get much. Yeah, and it's an extension. It's just a further extension of the Joy Division sound. So they hadn't. They were kind of still going in that direction. And again, the reason I picked Power Corruption and Lies is because I feel like that's the record that they came into their own. It actually sounds like the New Order that you know. Um, it doesn't sound like Joy Division. It wasn't produced by Martin Hannett, if I'm not mistaken. I think that they actually produced it themselves. Oh, wow. And um, it's the first time that you really start to hear them use synthesizers. And they would use synthesizers, obviously, a lot more heavier when you start to get to low life and brotherhood and stuff like that, too. But these are definitely the seeds of what New Order became. And at that point, Bernard was the only singer. But again, they still had that really distinctive sound. You had Peter Hook's bass. And that was like the first time that they really started dabbling with synthesizers. And it, again, it's like we first started to see the seeds of the new order that we all know, basically. Was there any singles that released this that got, you know, a lot of acclaim or was it more they were just setting up? And again, I don't know. Be? I know, that, you know, back in the day when Factory Records were, I think that might have still been on Factory, was putting these out. I mean, they put out 12 inches all the time. Right. So I don't know what the singles were from this or not. I mean, the only song that I think that people would probably know, like this is the very first track. There's a song on here called Age of Consent uh -huh. that I think people are, are familiar with. Like if you don't know a new order, you probably know that song. You've probably heard it before. Right. And again, they changed, I mean, new, not only did Joy Division change music but New Order changed music because they were like kind of one of the first bands that kind of like rock bands that were using synthesizers there were synth bands obviously yep. but using the like rock instrumentation and then synths on top of that they were they're kind of the first band doing that dance rock kind of stuff if you had to describe what the album felt like, let's just put on your uh, pitchfork hat for just one minute I because I, I know you do. I hate my pitchfork hat. I don't have a pitchfork hat. <laughs> you don't hat. have a pitchfork hat? No. Okay. I want to hear just a, uh, a little description of what's happening inside the album for those that haven't heard it yet. And if you were going to try to sell them, like you need to hear this because it sounds like this. How would you describe that? Well, I don't, I don't, the thing is, that, again, they, don't, they didn't really sound like anybody else. I mean, they were like, again, a, the, the, kind of like the first band that was well, that's doing... A, that's a pretty good problem to have then, yeah, really. Exactly. I mean, a lot of, I mean, all the stuff that came up from Manchester later, all the Manchester stuff, all the dance rock stuff, the Stone Roses and all that stuff, Man. all that's based on, there was no band that was really doing like dance rock stuff at the time right and their stuff was very still moody mm -hmm. it was, but it was still danceable at the same time and not every song is danceable i mean they, they're one of those great bands that were able to balance kind of that moodiness right. but even their even their most upbeat dance stuff too there's some dark stuff going on in those lyrics excellent if you, you know? had to choose a choice cut from this record would you be able to do that sure i mean obviously the one age of consent but i kind of want to stay away from the obvious thing i think there's a there's a track on there called leave me alone that uh -huh. i think is completely representative of what new order where they were coming from and where they were going to 
Awesome. So we're gonna we're gonna compile all these songs. We're gonna find out how they fit in the mix, and uh, and then we'll we'll come back and we'll say our goodbyes and we'll set something up for next time. It sounds like a plan. All right, let's get to mixing, baby. All right. Now, joining me are Mr. John Lycan, who used to be known as Johnny Rotten, and uh, Mr. Keith Levine. And they are both associated now in something which is called Public Image Limited. limited. Is it limited or unlimited? It's limited. Limited. What is that? Is it a band? Is it a public relations firm? What does it do, and what is it? We ain't no band. We're a company. Simple. Nothing to do with rock and roll. Doodah. Doodah. Yeah. Okay, it's a company, not a band. Simple. What kind of a company is it? What does it do? With Public Image Limited, we didn't want to be or have anything to do with rock and roll, so we thought being in a band and doing gigs wouldn't be the thing to do. I'll have a sig. But we, um... Would you like a sig? See, I'll, I'll find a way to your American heart tour. yet, fellow. I'll tell you. Here. Excuse me, sir. We ended up doing an American tour, which, um definitely prompted us to stop the band side of things and, com and concentrate on the company side of things. Both you and John have said that you don't want this to have anything to do with rock and roll. Why do you dislike rock and roll so it's much? It's dead, it's a disease, it's a plague, it's been going on for too long, it's history, it's vile, it's not achieving anything, it's just digression. They play rock and roll at airports, that's about as like advanced as it can possibly get but there it's was a too limited but there was a time when you didn't feel that it is way. too much like a structure a church yeah but there was a religion a, a farce a time when you did not feel that way what made you no, change? no i've your... always felt this way even when you were with the sex pistols i wondered when you'd get round to that one yes even then because the sex pistols was going to be the absolute end of rock and roll which i thought it was Unfortunately, the majority of the public, being the senile animals that they are, got that wrong. Too bad. All they want is an image, something flash. Where did the name the Sex Pistols come from? Who thought that name up? Some animal, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. It's history. Well, I think history matters a little bit. When you say some animal, was this a member of the band that history made it? History does not matter. I mean, your program's called Tomorrow. There must be a reason behind that. Well, unless we remember our yesterdays, there will be no tomorrows. Oh, Getting back to public image. Oh, Beg your pardon? Getting back to pill.
All right, so we have, obviously we're gonna, we're gonna continue, we're gonna, do, we're gonna continue doing this, we're gonna do a third episode, hopefully we'll have it ready next month. Um, Dion, what, do you have any idea what, we, what we're gonna I do, do for that third one? I do, so we've learned from the panic that sets in when you don't have something set up after this episode that you're working on is complete. So we already thought of the third episode, and you're gonna have to explain it when I say it, but this episode is gonna be entitled, Who is Your Jellyfish? And you're thinking to yourself, what the hell does that mean? Right. Well, I think as a music lover, um, everyone has a band and or an artist that they love. Love. And for, for and for whatever reason, they never broke big, and you've never been able to understand. My God, this band is so good. How did this band not? How did this artist or this band not break big? Why is the world so cruel? And why are my boys not getting the credit that they rightfully deserve? Exactly. And I think we all have those bands and artists. And the jellyfish thing comes into it because. One of my favorite bands is a band from, I don't know if it was like late 90s or 2000s, some terrible no. time. It time, was from like, late 80s, 90s. Yeah, I can't even remember. I'm so terrible of time. <laughs> but there was a band called Jellyfish. Right. And I think as a general consensus, I think if you're a power pop fan or a fan of music of that era, you Jellyfish was that one band. You're like, how in the hell did that band not break big? They had all the right ingredients. They had great songwriting. They had, I mean, they had the look. They had the sound. They had everything. They had everything going for them, and for whatever reason, never took off, never broke. So we're going to call that. That next episode is... Who's your Jellyfish? Who's your Jellyfish? Because I know that you have them. I know you who are listening, you have that band or artist. You're like, God damn it, they should have been huge. And that's what we're going to focus on on the next, on the next episode. Jay, I can't wait to find out who else is your jellyfish and to tell you who my jellyfishies are. And I love that too because as music lovers you certainly love to like push music that you love onto other people Mm -hmm. hence back to the mixtape. So it'll be great to try to make shed some light on some bands that people probably may not have heard of. And I am Dion from Lightning Licks Vinyl Preservation Society. And I am Jay from Lightning Licks uh, Vinyl Preservation Society as well. We will see you next month. Thanks for hanging out. Bringing in that theme song. Theme song coming in. Oh yeah. Coming in hot. (laughs) Very hot. I love that theme song, by the way. Thanks, man. It's it's, it's a band. (laughs) It's a band. Music in this bonus episode was by Lee Moses, Brothers Johnson, Corio, also Dennis Lloyd with his track, Leftovers. See what we did there? Big Thief, Hill, Bajas, Can, the Jesus and Mary Chain, Sonic Youth, The Stone Roses, Joy Division, New Order, Radiohead covering Joy Division, David Sanborn, Susie and the Banshees, and Jellyfish. Thanks for sticking around with us. We'll see you next month. Jazz, punk, rock, disco, gold, garage, psych, dub, and acoustic funk. Under your request, like, nah, man, I think I left that LP at home. It's on the shelf in my basement, that's where it belongs. Sorry, y'all. Now, don't get me wrong, I really do appreciate your input, but I don't really need your stinking input. Nah, B, I'm just playing, just trying to play too. The rule is what I'm saying. Why waste your time on a top 40 hit list when you can prep platters like a catering business? So fresh, I'm high five on my deck. Maybe we collaborate and carry that's teamwork, baby. 
Cue up an old B-side treat with the guts so deep to make your ear holes bleed. Dusty groups and forgotten gems. Sample sources from way back when. You're like, hmm, that sounds familiar. Well, it's Osley Bros. Now, Biggie Cuba Dunner, but it's still ill and it still kills. It's a bona fide hope for that for a last I'm older than you. I bought it in '88. I wanted to know when you when you picked it up. I when I was like 10. So how? What year was that then? I bought or I I got it in 1990, so I was 12. But yeah, we're gonna get into that. Yeah, yeah. But it it is important that I I learned of them through do the right thing that my mom (laughs) accidentally let us rent, and then because Mars Blackman was in it. Which I had not thought about my yeah, like we got the years. cassette from Curtis Mathis, like which was oh, I used to rent all our shit from Curtis Mathis. <laughs> like what the We bought our VCR from there and they gave us like a bag of like free rentals. Like and I was still using like three years later and mm-hmm. they, were, they were like, Oh you can't use these anymore. I'm like, my parents paid eight hundred dollars for a VCR because right. that's how much they were at the time. Yeah. I'm gonna use these until they're gone. They yeah. brought the manager in and they're like, Okay, you can keep using these then. Yeah. Like literally I didn't rent a movie, I didn't pay I'm, for a movie I'm, for three years. I'm writing this shitty version of Rumple Stillskin again. <laughs> Because it's the only thing that's in right now. <laughs> Bob, really, Bob used to get pissed because he always wanted to rent porn, and I wouldn't because I had a I had a crush on one of the girls that worked there. And I didn't want her to see me buying. I didn't want her to see me. I was buying. I was renting porn, <laughs> and Bob was always about the porn. Oh, Curtis Mathis. I love that place. <laughs> it was awesome. They had a good selection too. They really did. They were the only game in town, bro. Uh, they were. That's where I got rented movies there for like three years and didn't pay for one. <laughs> Well, you got an eight hundred dollar VCR, <laughs> and those first VCRs were expensive as hell. Fuck yeah, yeah that dude. was a big deal getting a VCR. My parents didn't have fucking cable, but they got a buy. They bought a goddamn VCR. Yeah, we popped the popcorn and Which shit. Which I love. That was Damn. badass. That was yeah. But we're okay. Next episode, Curtis Math, <laughs> <laughs> live from the bank that's there now. Keeping it Bay City local. local. <laughs>